the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Welcome to Exploring the Word, and thank you for listening today. We pray that you're having a good day today. It's a beautiful day here in northeast Mississippi, and we hope it is where you are. But we want to open up in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. Listen to this, because you will hear some of these words again and again at least five times. Now by this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Don't you love those words? We know that we know. Mm-hmm. You find that in 2, 3. You, you can write these down real quickly. If you have a pen and paper, 2, 3. 3-4, we know. 3-24, you can know. 5-4, you can know. And finally, in 5-13, you can know. And you say, I couldn't write all those down. I'll give them to you again in a little bit. But Alex, the book of 1 John, if you wanted to have a theme, it was so you can know. What do you think Amen. about that possibility? I think that would be a great title if we were, like you say, a theme or a series so that you can know. And, you know, I've shared many times this helped me as a young believer. I was, uh, I, I'd come to the Lord, and I guess I was a couple of months into my walk with the Lord, but I began to, to worry and just fear that I was too bad to be saved. Yeah. And I would pray the sinner's prayer. And it was First John, and especially First John 5.13, but K-N-O-W, over and over, uh, the, the Apostle John uses the word and the assurance of how you know that you are in Christ. And frankly, it was this book and, and other scriptures in God's word, but the book of 1 John that really gave me the reassurance and put my feet on the solid ground of being confident that I belong to Christ. Amen. Matter of fact, the word no is used more than 30 times in this. Really? Yes, more than 30 wow. times and K-N-O-W. And again, we went through this and we kind of, I wanted to go back to chapter one, verse nine for a minute, Alex. I don't want to do this uh, long, but I, I just thought we didn't spend enough time here. It says, yes. if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This this verse is so important. First of all, we need to understand confess means to agree with or to, right. say, or to say the same thing as we need to see our sin as God sees our sin. He didn't die for us to remain our, in our sin. He died and overcame sin that we could be delivered from our sin and the penalty of it. And he is faithful and just. To forgive us. He not only just forgives us our sin, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to tell you, the blood, there is, I'm going to start all over. I want to say there is power in the blood of Jesus, Alex. Amen. Well, you know, look at the end of verse 7 there in chapter 1. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen. It's not... uh, (laughs) good works that cleanses us from all sin, and it's not wishful thinking, and it's not, you know, giving money to the church, although giving money to a good church is a good thing. 
But listen, folks, it's not human effort. It's not any meritorious thing that we can do. But the blood of Jesus Christ, if you are cleansed from your sin, it is by the blood of Jesus. And uh, I think we, we need to reiterate that over and over, lest we forget that uh, we were sinners uh, separated from God, but if you've put your faith in Christ, it was his sacrifice on the cross. Bert, yesterday uh, we talked about it, and I didn't get into it because we kind of ran out of time, but the word propitiation. Oh, yes. And um, <laughs> by the way— That's in the, chapter 2, verse 2, by the way. Exactly. Exa- and and it, it's defined in a number of ways, the turning away of wrath. And I was looking up after we did the show yesterday, Bert, I was looking up in a Greek lexicon, and it was saying that um, when you have been propitiated, and I realize <laughs> these are some big words, but yeah. see, our guilt was put on Jesus, and then his righteousness was attributed or accredited to us. And, and it means propitiation, not only that the wrath we deserved, was was deflected onto Christ, but we are set right in a moral sense. Isn't that something? It is, Alex. And that ver- I'll put it this way: uh, nearly every verse in First John, you want to stop and dwell down and do a word study because there's so much there. But that word is He is that for our sins. There is no other way. There is no other blood. There is no other person. It's all in Christ. But also, as you said, not for ours only, but also for the whole world. There's enough blood, enough grace at the cross for the whole world to be saved if they had only trust him. And that's Mm. why the grace of God has appeared to all men. That's why it is, it is. God loved us before we could love him. He loves you today, those of you that are listening. He really does love you. He cares for you. He proved himself of his love. And I pray that you would trust him. Ask him to forgive you of your sin. Ask as you turn away from your way, turn to him and say, oh God, I know you died for me on the cross through Jesus Christ. And today I ask you to be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin. And I'm ready to walk with you and do your will now and forever. It's We're mm-hmm. not talking about a quick, okay, I'll do it for a while. No, we're talking about your mind, your will, and emotions. With your mind, you understand it. With your will, you decide. And with the emotions, you grab hold onto it and serve the Lord with gladness. So, Alex, uh, this salvation that you got, how old were you now? 21 years old. And mine was 12 years old. Listen, it's as fresh today as it was that day when I trusted him, brother. My goodness. Well, and, you know, one last thing. Um, Our first president, George Washington, who was a big reader of the New Testament, but in his inaugural speech, speaking of the fact that we had won our independence from Great Britain, he he used a word from 1 John. He said, the propitious smiles (laughs) of heaven have been directed our way, Uh, meaning that we've got God's favor and we, you know, um, calamity and defeat were turned away. If you're a believer, and certainly if you're a citizen, in this country, yes, the propitious smiles of heaven have been directed your way. All glory to God. Amen. Alex, let me say, you brought it up. I'm just going to go there. If someone would honestly study the founding of America and look what took place with, the, I'm talking about the pilgrims coming over, then we're talking also about the founding of the colonies and where they were, 
the first great awakening and then see how this <laughs> rag tag army uh, beat the most powerful, most you know trained army force in the world known at that time. And you you see the hand of God all in it. And so listen, uh, those of you that study history, take your time, study that and look at it and see. Uh, it's kind of like the book of Esther. Let me say this, Alex. In the book of Esther, you see the hand of God so clearly you cannot deny it, even though God's name doesn't even appear in the book of Esther. Now, God's name does appear in our declaration. It, we see that. But I'm saying if you openly look at that, our, our the revolution, that time of founding our country, you see the hand of God all in it and through it, don't you? You do. You really, really do. Uh, and uh, that's a topic I love to uh, <laughs> I know. Unpack. I didn't want to get on yeah, it too uh, far, but, uh, you know, it's something we love. And we're, I, just, I just challenge people to do that. I really do. Amen. Um, you know, one of the verses that I really love, and I quote it sometimes, is Luke six forty six, where Christ asked the question. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say? Okay? Now, look over there in uh, 1 John 2. 4 and 5. He that saith, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. Uh, This chapter, and talk about practical, it's got a lot to say about our walk. Now, if you are a Christian, positionally you're in Christ. Your sins are washed away. Christ's righteousness is yours. Read Romans 5.1 and Romans 8.1. We have peace with God. Uh, but here's the thing, and Bert, you just feel free to disagree. Habitual sin that you just you don't ever feel conviction over. I mean, if you can go on unchanged, uh, behavior is still the same as it was, and you can be in known sin, and you don't ever feel bad about it, I would question if you've really been born again. Now, a no, born let, me, again, let me say this. The Bible questions it, Alex. Yeah, okay, oh, yeah, yeah. you say you question it, but uh, even a higher authority than you or me. <laughs> yeah, the, amen. I, I'm just saying, you know what I mean? The Bible yeah. questions that, doesn't it? It, it really does. And, and le- I'm just going to say this while I'm on my little soapbox. <laughs> Stay there, if, brother. <laughs> if you're a born-again Christian, or you've trusted Christ, but you have no desire to be in church, no desire to pray and be in the Word, and you really don't feel any initiative to grow, again, I would question if you've really been saved. Because here's the thing, and and this is the practicality of 1 John 2. Uh, You read on through there, and of course, one of my favorite verses or little passages, we'll get to 15 through 17, love not the world. If, if you're a born-again believer and Christ has come in not only to save you, but literally to change your life, well, you're going to have some new priorities. You're going to love the, the fellowship of the body of believers. You're going to want to attend to your personal growth and be in corporate worship for corporate growth. Uh, I'm just going to say, if Jesus comes in, uh, your walk and your life ought to be different. Let me say, I think Paul said you've become a new creation in Christ. The old have passed, the new has come. It even has the new is continuing to has passed and continues to pass. And, you know, it is. We're a new creature in Christ, and his mercies are new 
every morning. Now, mm-hmm. Alex, right before we got about a minute left, before we go, I want to get to verse 6. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. This, this word abide, it is again, It you'll find it repeated there in verse John. But you also find that same word that Jesus would use over in, in the gospel of John. And now here John brings it over into his letter that he writes. And so we, we I just want to say you see the continuation of, of what Jesus said concerning abiding in him. If I abide in you and you abide in me, then certain things happen. Here's John repeating that in a little different words, but it's the same meaning, isn't it? Amen, it is. And folks, this is Exploring the Word with Bert and Alex. We are so honored that you're listening. Stay with us. We'll continue in 1 John and take your calls and questions on this edition of Exploring the Word. Don't go away. Wow, we're singing of the goodness of God. Hey, kudos to Brent Austin for picking out just such appropriate music. Uh, We're in 1 John chapter 2. Bert, do you ever maybe uh, either online or, you know, by the radio or whatever, you ever listen to praise music or gospel music and have a worship experience? I do. I I just tell you, I, I am musically deprived. I I have a hard time with rhythm. I can't even clap in rhythm. And I'm not I'm not just saying this. It's true. I can't sing on tune. Jan has tried to help me these fifty something years and uh but I tell you what, nobody appreciates it more than me. And uh, I love Amen. the Lord and I love his songs and the praises to him. And that one that we just we just heard, first time I heard it, I'm telling you, I was uh, here I was. I, I'm halfway Baptistical, Alex. Come on, and man. Let's... Uh, I was raising my hand, praising God. He is faithful. Uh, he's a faithful God. We could have testimony here in a moment, well, but praise you, you God, remember, he is faithful. J. Vernon McGee, does that name ring a bell? Hey, oh, listen, I love that guy. He's with um, the Lord, but he's he still speaks. <laughs> yes. Sometimes y'all ought to Google through the Bible radio, but he was talking about uh, being happy in Jesus and praise music and just enjoying the Lord. And J. Vernon McGee said, he said, friends, if you've been saved, notify your face. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> but uh, Praise the Lord. Amen, in Alex. In 1 John t- chapter 2, you know, it talks about if we know him, like verse 6, we abide in him. That's a, a verb that means continual, uninterrupted action. We keep on keeping on. And I love verse 8. Now listen to this, folks. Paul, uh, John writes, A new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. All right, here's the thing. When Christ Jesus came onto the stage of human history, it changed everything. I mean, it changed the calendar from every year forward. All right, the I love in that Christmas song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, and it says, you know, the darkness 
which the world had for centuries been in darkness, but now the light has come, right? Well, that's like our life. Just as history was changed when the light of the world came in, Jesus, your life is forever changed when the light comes in. Now, this is going to begin to manifest it in how you uh, love others. Verse 9, he that saith he is in the light, but hates his brother, is in darkness even yet. See, Mm -hmm. and I know we're we're human beings. We get sideways with each other sometimes. But look, if you're a born-again believer, you... You can't hate anybody, ever. I mean, if, if and it goes on, and it talks about, you know, if we say that we love God, who we haven't really seen face-to-face yet, how could we uh, hate our brother that we have seen? So one of the earmarks, and this is also in John 13, but one of the earmarks of a truly born-again follower of the Lord is that we're going to love those around us. Amen. And what it's talking about is fellowship. Now, we're talking about how, what are the characteristics of fellowship, knowing him, having an advocate, keeping his commandments, obeying him, and then here it is, loving our brothers and sisters in Christ and walking in the light. Alex, just one time, and I know I'm the one chasing rabbits today, I, uh, <laughs> I, you know, but listen, you know, you said even he marks the time we're living in when he came, the light came in. You know, mm-hmm. they use the term BCE. They, they took, mm-hmm. you know, before Christ. They did, the, so they say BCE. And so what you do, it means before common era. That's what to say. And ask them. Here's what you do, Alex. Ask them what this common era is. <laughs> yeah, ex- well said. You catch what I'm saying? Because even though they're saying 2023, B, you know, uh, or, or whatever it was before the common era or ever. Yeah. But when they're talking about B.C., before Christ, ask them what that era, what, what ended that era. And yeah, exactly. I, you still get Christ in there, don't you? you? You know, even as the secularists want to extricate Jesus from the knowledge of people, you know, B.C.E. to C.E., so what <laughs> caused you to change? Well, it was the arrival of, of the Son of God Amen. on the stage of history. Hallelujah. Now, he goes on, and he basically talks about, and he says it, you know, a couple of ways, 9 through 11. If we love the Lord, we're going to love our brother. If we hate our brother, uh, that means the Lord really doesn't have our life yet. Now, I want to say regarding the word love, because a lot of people nowadays are a little wishy-washy on what they think love is, and it's like, again, J. Vernon McGee said, sloppy agape. Um Love does not mean that I agree with everything everybody says or does. Um, the homosexuals now, if you love me, you'll endorse my lifestyle that is absolutely contrary to Scripture. That's false. Um, we love people, but as Augustine said, love is to seek the highest good of another person. And the highest good for all persons is that they are born again through Jesus, and then they thrive in Christ And if you're in Christ, if you're in the Son of God, your life is going to increasingly be in harmony with the Word of God. Preach it, brother. Amen. Oh, my goodness. Uh, There's a lot I could say. I I had the the privilege of being on the phone today with a brother in another state. I'm not going to divulge too much, but he's in a very liberal denomination, and they're using one of my books in Sunday school where I talk about America, our Christian founding. Uh, I talk about the nation of Israel. I talk about truth. 
And his local parish of his denomination, it's a Protestant denomination, but he's got to, in a couple of weeks, go before the denomination why they're teaching this book about biblical worldview. Mm. Now, here's the thing. And he said that his pastor, who happens to be a woman pastor, said that everything in this book is not what she believes. Now, I'm not saying that something is true because Alex said it, but I'm saying if if somebody is in ministry or whatever and their views about Jesus, salvation, Scripture, morality, truth, if, if they're 180 degrees opposite of everything the Bible says, then they need to go back and find out if they really did get born again. Amen, Alex. That This is the whole idea that he sets apart here in the first two chapters of the uh, of this book. Are you in fellowship with him? You can know you're in fellowship with him. And these are the evidences that they are. And notice how his love, you're just talking about love. Okay, this is expressed. Notice what he says in verse, uh, verse 12, little children. Listen what he says and how he addresses them in verse 13. Fathers, verse again in 13, the latter part, little children. And again, verse 14, fathers, v- verse 14 in the middle, young men. He's addressing these people as individuals. Uh, now, I know it's in groups, but individuals to let them know this criteria, this because you've overcome the wicked one, because you have known the Father, because you've known him who is from the beginning, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. There's that word again. And you have done what? Look at the latter part of verse 14. You have overcome the wicked one. Now, what this is going to do, it's going to introduce to us in verse 18, the Antichrist, okay? Mm. The wicked one. And so John is passing this and putting it together that this is the love of God that is able to do this work in you to be more than conquerors and to overcome. Look at the word overcome here in this verses 12 through 14. He uses it, and he wants us to be more than that. We are conquerors. We're overcomers. Why do we overcome? We overcome the habitual sin, the world in our life. We even overcome that bitterness that we could hold against our brother. Now, again, what they did was real. What they did was wrong. What they did hurt. But what can happen? That love of God working in and through us can overcome that bitterness, even to the point of forgiveness. Therefore, when that person, if they ever come to the point where they see they were wrong and they come to you to apologize and say, I want to forgive you, you can have already said, I've already done that. I forgave you, uh, you know, months ago, even years ago, because Christ's love has helped me to overcome the pain and the hurt. So, Alex, uh, again, John has given us, it's, let me say this, the book of James is very practical. Let me say the book of 1 John is very practical as well as theological as well. Amen. It, it really is. You know, I, I want to give you a couple of things to um, think about, because in 1 John, 1 John 2, 15 through 17, so powerful for all of us, it oh. says, Love not the world neither the things that are in the world. 
If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So, Bert, in verse 16 there, okay, it says, Love not the world, but verse 16 says, Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Uh, These are the things that we're to overcome. In a way, this grouping of three kind of reminds me of Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, where it talks about overcoming the world, the flesh, and the devil. And, uh, you know, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, tells us that in Christ we can overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. Well, here it's essentially the same concept. Paul said it that way. John says it this way. Don't love the world. And then the lust of the flesh, and that moral issues, right? The lust of the eyes, and that could be materialism, secularism, just living for this present world, and the pride of life. Uh, I was you know, earlier talking to um, a gentleman that he, he wanted to meet this certain very, very famous rock and roll band. And he said it had been his lifelong dream to meet this band. And when he did, he was so let down because he said they were just so arrogant, so prideful, so pompous. And and he said it was such a letdown. He said he met his musical heroes, and they he had never met anybody more prideful. Well, the Bible has a lot to say about pride. But verse 17, the world is passing away. I mean, the only things that, that we handle that are actually lasting, permanent, eternal, are the things of Jesus. You know, Bert, I'll put it this way. What's internal is eternal. What's external is temporary. So so let's maximize on our relationship with Jesus, because that's what truly lasts. It really does. The other thing that when I see the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, do you remember Jesus being driven in the wilderness and being tempted, he was tempted how many times as it's listed? Three, Three. times. Each yep. one of those sins can be compared to these lists that John gives here. Uh, you know, turning the stones into bread, you know, and, and the jumping from the pinnacle, bow down and worship him, pride, you know, the you know, every one of those is under this category. And I think the church is in that same category. I think you could put every temptation that ever comes to man is in one of those positions. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And here it is. You've already read it. I'm just going to read it again. What's going to happen to all these things? The world is passing away and the lust of it. But what a conjunction. He who does the will of God abides forever. Notice that, passing away or abiding in God forever. Which one do you want, pass away with the world or abide with God forever? That's choices that we make in our lives. And so here in 1 John, 1 chapter, 2 chapter, he, he is looking and he is talking about the fellowship, but he takes time out right in the middle of chapter 2. I, I would say for an examination for each person reading this, to look and see what they're building their life upon. Uh, So, Alex, uh, John makes it plain. The world and the things of the world, they're going to be gone one day. But he who does the will of the Father 
abides forever. The will of the Father is to trust him. The will of the Father is to follow him. And I'm praying those who are listening today, they have made that real in their lives, that they've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, and they're following him all the way. Alex, that, that, it, I'll just say this. Uh, it doesn't get much better in Scripture than 1 John chapter 2, 15 through 17. Well, you know, I love the way that it, it's just so plain. And, folks, if you read this, 1 John 2, I mean, it, it, it means what it means. Very plain. But there are transitions. In verse 17, you know, it talks about the, the one who does the will of God abides forever. All right. It seems to be a little bit of a change of pace here, verse 18. Little children, it is the last time. As you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know it is the last time. All right, and it's going to talk about, and of course down there in verse 22 we'll get more depth in this. Interesting, the word there, it is the last time. In the Greek it really means this is the last hour. Yeah. Um, and the word L-A-S-T is the Greek word uh, eschate. Bert, we talk about eschatology. Right. Eschatos, the last things. And it's it's literally the word hour. Now, just think about this. People say, are we close to Christ's return? Well, we're closer than we were yesterday, <laughs> and we're, we're a lot closer than we were 1,900-plus years ago. And if it, if it were the last days when John was on Patmos, then we've got to be in the last of the last days. We really do. Notice again, and I, I know I'm repeating myself, little children, you see his love for these people that he's writing to. He is saying, know this, don't be fooled. Uh, the, the Antichrist is coming. But now there's many of those that are against Christ, and they're trying to give up a false Christ. Don't be fooled by them then or now. Well, Alex, we're going to come back with phone calls, and that number, 888 589-8840. We'd love to hear from you today. Amen. What? I telling you what, Alex, that Brent is showing out giving us this music, isn't he? Well, I'm going to tell you, he might be a DJ someday tell on a gospel stage. That's right. Hey, we got places for you to call in. We're going to try to get to as many calls as we can today. Yes. That number, if you would like to ask a Bible question, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Alex, we got people waiting. Where do we go to first? Well, we're going to go to Ohio first, I believe. Uh, but while we go to Ohio, let me just say how much I appreciate. We have a listener in Pi- Pinellas Park, Florida. Uh, this is uh, Robert, and I I think Robert might be an older gentleman, but Robert has written us handwritten letters, Bert, saying how much he likes the show, and, and he's gotten into the scriptures, and he writes these kind letters handwritten letters, and it says, Yours in Christ, Robert Newstead in Pinellas Park, Florida. Uh, Brother Robert, if you're listening, I just want to say thank you, and I'm glad that we're an encouragement to you, and you certainly are an encouragement to us, and God bless you, Robert, in Florida. But now, how about Mike in Ohio? Mike, are you there? Yeah, 
Hey, thanks, Bert and Alex. Love you guys. Listen to you every day. Bless you. I appreciate what you do. Hey, I called and talked to you, too. Uh, six, seven years ago, I wasn't walking with the Lord. I'd been saved when I was a child, but got away from him. for Did the prodigal son thing for about 40 years, and you two gave me some really good advice to get back to the Lord. And I, one of the things you told me is find a good church and uh, quit living with a woman that I wasn't married to, and I straightened all that out. And I'm every day trying to do better, walk walk with the Lord, and, and uh, make Him happy with me. But every time I start reading the Bible again, I get hung up on the same verses, and a couple of them you brought up today. I wondered if I could ask you a quick question. Go right ahead, sure. Mike. Thank you, brother, for that testimony. Go ahead, man. Well, you, I love you guys. I listen to you every day, no matter what I'm doing. I, I make sure between 4 and 5 in Ohio, I'm listening to Bert and Alex because you, you, you really helped me. But So I found a good church in our hometown here, biggest church around, done a lot of great things for the community, but not real big on the truth. You know, it's kind of a seeker-friendly, um, and I'm, I'm pretty much been convicted to leave, and my wife goes with her mother to a Methodist church, and they just voted to, you know, to follow the Word, not follow the Word of God. So it's perfect time to, for my wife and I to try to find a new church. And I get hung up every time I get on the Ten Commandments about number four, keeping the Sabbath. You know, God says, remember it and keep it holy. And then just today I was listening to you when you were in First John about uh, making sure that we keep the commandments. Um, why do we skip over number four? Why don't, we, why don't we celebrate it on Saturday, and why don't we keep it holy, and why don't churches preach it? Mike, thank you for calling. We appreciate you more than we, you could ever no, uh, Alex and I are both just praising the Lord. Brent, who is our board op, he wasn't here when he called earlier. He's over there smiling as big as he can bend over your testimony. But, Mike, let me just share with you. Uh, the, honestly, the Sabbath, if it, it goes back even before the, the, the Ten Commandments came, that on the Sabbath God rested. He rested on the fourth day. It was an observation of creation. You remember what it said? And he looked at what he had done. The Sabbath day is looking at what God has done. It really is, and that's what he does. When Jesus came to earth and died on the cross and rose again on the first day of the week, the first day of the week, it celebrates the resurrection, the redemption and what God has done. And the early church, look at it in the book of Corinthians, look at it elsewhere. They worshiped on the first day of the week. It was like, okay, the Sabbath is there. That was creation. That was great. And that was good. But God has done something in above creation with that and given us redemption. Alex, go ahead and, and do it as much as best we can with Mike. Well, God bless you, brother, and God bless your desire to copiously fully follow Jesus. I've always loved Matthew 12, verse 8, where Jesus said that he, he says, the Son of Man, he himself is Lord of the Sabbath. So let me say, if somebody keeps a Saturday Sabbath, but they don't believe in Jesus, they're not really observing the Sabbath. The most... Um, the core thing in observing the Sabbath is to have a relationship with the one who is Lord of the Sabbath, that's Jesus. But then Hebrews 4 says that if we are in Christ, we have entered into the Sabbath rest. Now, the early church, and certainly if anybody knows when you ought to have church, I would think the apostles who saw Jesus would know, the early church worshiped on Sunday. This is, I mean, think about it, within about eight weeks after Calvary, 
They were having Sunday worship. Why? That was Resurrection Day. And so um, I want to encourage you to read Hebrews 4 through 16. Uh, Hebrews 4, 4 through 16, that talks about when we are in the, the high priest, Jesus, who is Lord of the Sabbath, we are in God. We are observing the Sabbath. We really are. Now, Bert, in the spirit of stewardship, I think it's good to take a day of rest. Uh, sure. Uh, work six days, rest. Now, your day of rest might be Sunday where we go to church, or maybe you take another day of rest, too. But um, I've got to say this. The fourth commandment is not part of the gospel of salvation. It just is. I mean, observing a Sabbath. Now, we're in Christ, our Sabbath rest, but the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, which is appropriated to us by faith. Thank you, Mike. Uh, William in Illinois. Uh, William in Illinois, are you there? Uh, good day to you, brothers. Uh, Matthew fifteen twenty says, Jesus said to the woman that came to him that was a Gentile, it is not meant to cast the children to bread and cast at the dogs, which I would assume that was because she was a Gentile at that time in the Old Covenant. So I don't know where we get this high rating among ourselves today that we're so much better than each other because we're all Gentiles than what the Jews were and all this pride and all this racism, but we are all in the same camp as Gentiles. So we should realize that... Uh, if we don't have Christ, I would say we're back to what we're like. He called dogs. If I'm tempted to go back to the flesh, I figure I'm headed back as a dog. Thank you, brothers. William, amen. Hey, brother, you're right on. The church changes everything. If you want to look at a great example, and I have to admit it's my favorite church that you find that's talked about and written about in the New Testament, the church at Antioch. And you read the leaders who are there, Alex, you can see there's Gentiles, there's Jews, there's different uh, pigment of skin color. They're all there. And, man, what do they do? They have the most mission-minded purpose of any church uh, that you read about in the New Testament. Now, Philippians comes close. But I still think Antioch demonstrates it greater. He would send Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Silas, and then uh, Barnabas and John Mark out again and again. So, Alex, uh, one of the reasons that I love that is that is exactly what William was talking about, that in Christ we're one, aren't we? We are. We are one in Christ. And uh, the completed Jew who believes in Messiah or the Gentile grafted in, uh, if we're a believer, we're we're one in Christ. John in Louisiana. John, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, John. John, are you there? John. Okay, we're good. Hello. Yeah, go oh, ahead, okay. John. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm interested in um, verse 17, but uh, he that do so does the will of God will live forever. And um, it's interesting how we should uh, understand that, because on the one hand, there are some people that are so perfect, and uh, I know some of them, and uh, yet um, their salvation experience is questionable. 
So that's one case of just works righteousness. Then on the other hand, there's a person that has very um, convincingly been born again, but then doesn't continue, as it says in uh, Colossians 1, uh, 23, if he continue. It's talking about the person in the previous verses that were saved, and then it was if you continue. And the same thing in Hebrews 10, right at the end of the chapter 10, it talks about perseverance, and that if we persevere, then we will obtain salvation. So um, how can we understand that uh, verse 17? Okay, thank you, John. I think it's also here in First John when he explains that, that they they went out of us because they were never with us. A true salvation experience says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. One of the most important words that you can do is if, if you're in Christ. Uh, not that you did certain things. Only God knows. And I've known folks that had fooled themselves, Alex, and did not, you know, know the truth. And then all of a sudden their eyes were opened and they saw that what they had was not real. It was counterfeit. Let me make this real quick statement. I'll throw it to you. By the way, we probably have uh, time for a phone call or two, and we've got one person waiting. So if you need to ask a question, call 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. Alex, uh, again, what we're looking at is making sure that you're saved uh, it, it's it's not just being baptized. It's not walking forward. It's not signing. It is a heart-rendering uh, mind, will, and emotions that I understand Christ died for me because I'm a sinner, and in my will, I choose Christ now and forever, and then he comes in and changes. If there hasn't been a change in a person's life, do you think? There's salvation. I mean, according to the Word of God, it's doubtful, isn't it? Yeah, and, you know, the First John 2.17 says, uh, uh, love not the world and keep his commandment. So you might ask, well, what is the commandment of God? What is the will of God? Well, First John 3.23 says, this is his commandment, that you should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, all these other fruits should follow. We should love the brethren. We should... Uh, you know, grow in righteousness, but the the commandment and the will of God and the way of being saved is, as it says in First John three twenty three, uh, John three sixteen, uh, Acts sixteen thirty one, John six forty, believe in Jesus. It is is our faith in Christ that is salvation. Now. Good works ought to follow, but it's not the works themselves that save us, is it, Bert? It is. I heard someone say this, you know, uh, it's a faith that does work. It's not that work saves us, but a faith that does show forth the work of God in our life through our Amen. lives. They'll see our good works and glorify the Father who's in heaven. Hey, where do we go Pam to next? In Texas. Uh, Pam, are, are you there? I'm here. God bless you today. Uh, Soldiers on fire with the Word of God. God bless you all. Uh, I have bless a quick you. question. Uh, well, not a question, but over in the book of Psalms, Numbers 144, where it says, Teach my hands to war and my fingers to fight. That's 
that that's, that's something I would like to uh, get some insight on. And also, First Corinthians 16, uh, approximately, I think, around that 21st verse. So it, if, a, if, a, if a man does not love God, let him be a nethamanetha, which I think that is, when I searched it, it was, let him be lost forever. Would you expound on those two for me, please? God bless you today. Alex, go ahead. So we can try to get one more call in after this, because they did call. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. Uh, you know, Bert, I think this is one of those scriptures we have to look at in the larger context of things. You know, we're not to be insurrectionist, uh, but, you know, you read Romans 13, 1 through 7, God gives individuals and nations the right to self-defense. Uh, there is a a just war, a a war that is is we're justified in fighting, but also standing up for truth. So let me say what Psalm one forty four verse one might mean. A lot of things: standing for fighting for what's right, standing for what's true, self defense, even national defense. But I think what it's not saying is that we're to be violent without cause. Amen. That's true. Amen. Hope that and helps, then, Pam. Yeah. What was the question on First uh, Corinthians sixteen? I don't remember, and she's gone. So let's Pam get, yeah. call back, and we'll try to get your First Corinthians sixteen question. Mark in Georgia, you're on exploring the word. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, first time caller. Uh, yeah, the thank big you. city of Poland. <laughs> right well, here, Sylvester. I, hey, I've been there many, many, many times. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know you're short on time. I'll make this as quick as possible, and this kind of goes along with. The uh, lesson from today in First John, uh, Galatians chapter 5, when we're uh, speaking of the fruit of the Spirit, and I conducted a men's Bible study at, at my church, and halfway through it, I realized that the words, as it starts with love, joy, peace, and goes all the way through all the fruits of the Spirit, how each one ties right into the next one all the way down to the very end of self-control. Yes. And I think it was just amazing that, but it all begins with love. Amen. And you can't have, mm. and, and without love, you're not going to have joy. And without joy, you're not going to have peace. Amen. And all the way down. So each one just feeds right into the next one. And I thought that was just amazing that, and I find it no coincidence that the words were placed in that order. Amen, Mark. You, man, you've you. taken us out on a high note with the scriptures. I would say some folks take the word love and all the others are descriptive of love. At least they all hang on it, don't they, Alex? They really do. Mark, bless you. Pam in Texas, all the callers today. What a great show. What great callers. Folks, we sincerely appreciate you listening to Exploring the Word. Continue reading 1 John 2. We'll pick up at verse 18 again tomorrow, won't we, Bert? We sure will. And thank you for listening. And do what we say. Tell someone about exploring the Word, but more importantly, tell them about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.